Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, we are getting perilously close, perilously close to opening day a week from tomorrow. The Jays take on the Texas Rangers at the Rogers Center. Blair and Parker, Sports And you can listen to us on podcast. Please read your name and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. It is game day along the Sportsnet network today as the Jays take on the Detroit Tigers. From Dunedin and Kevin Parker, as I look at the Jays lineup for today. Springer leading off, Guerrero came second at first, Hernandez in left, Bichette is cleaning up, shortstop, Kirk's behind the plate, Burrell Jr. is the DH, Chapman at third, Biggio in right field, Espinal at second, and Alec Manoa on the mound. That is a, uh, a a pretty representative lineup, I suppose, You know, other, other than Kevin Biggio playing right field. Kevin Biggio will join us, by the way, in a few minutes. Uh, we know that Kevin Biggio will will play most of the time at second base, but the Jays have also said they, they will they will move him around a bit. Do you read anything into that batting order at all, Kevin? Yeah, well the the you know, every time we've seen Vladdy and Bo in the lineup at the same time, it was Bo hitting second, Vladdy hitting third. Now you're you just read that out loud and I was listening to Bo hitting cleanup, which I gotta be honest with you, I love Bo hitting cleanup. That for me is just yeah. Uh, yeah, just for me the way he hits with two strikes, the, 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 as good as he is with runners in scoring position, he tends to quiet things down, use the bigger part of the field, doesn't you know, use the big donkey swing that he uses with nobody on base more times than not with people on base. So I like him hitting cleanup, but that I, that just goes to show you a little versatility. Maybe that part of the lineup, those four or five guys. I I think Guriel and Chapman hitting five six mm-hmm. is you know when all things are are equal and everybody's raring and ready to go. I think that's probably where they're going to be hitting. But the first four guys, you know, besides Springer. Springer's always going to lead off. So the three guys after him, I think maybe they'll mix them up a little bit. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, that's what they'll do depending on who they're facing. I was going to say, I think that may be one of those things. I don't know if that's the case today, but it may be one of those things where the Jays are looking at uh, matchups, swing pass, things of that nature. Uh, we've talked about the uh, matchups now go much, much, much farther beyond lefty versus righty. It's it's swing paths and approaches and all that, and, and, and yep. pitches and planes and all, all that good stuff. So perhaps it's that's simply what that is about. Uh, the Jays beating the Yankees 11-3 last night. Some highlights, Santiago Espinal, uh, home run. Kevin, we, we noticed early, you noticed, one of the first things you told me when, when you were down there in Florida was how big he looked. Um, talk to me about that a little bit. Like, I think we know that in a perfect world, it's Espinal and Biggio doing most of the work at second base, at least perfect world as it exists right now. What do you make of Santiago Espinal? 
Yeah, well, you know, whenever he was having a conversation with Hazel May, uh, he had mentioned that the camera made him look bigger from the waist up. I, I got to agree with that. The first time I saw him, I had noticed that his legs looked a lot bigger. Like he looked like they were in better shape. They were rounder. Just looked like he he had a stronger base. Looked like that was on purpose. His upper half, I, I, you know, I think that's overblown a little bit. I don't think he's as as huge as as first reported but i do think that lower half working on that getting a stronger base when the foot hits the ground because he does have a leg kick now he's a he's a smaller guy in stature which will you know he's a little bit shorter and, and more direct and more compact which is a good thing but whenever you can you know create everything with your lower half and do it a little bit more strength and start driving baseballs a little bit better to the other way, which I think is the purpose there. That that was when the front foot hits the ground, you, you can recognize pitches, which will allow you, because you're that much stronger with your lower half, allows you to wait a little bit longer on pitches that you can throw your hands to the baseball and obviously have the, the better path and, and the better finish. That's what you're seeing. And I think he has confidence. Jeff, I, I, I think he wants to be a big leaguer, which says a lot. Yeah, that sounds simple. Wow, well, everybody wants to be a big leaguer. Yeah, I, you know, I, when, when I was a player, I think I went through a little bit of that, where it was, am I a big leaguer? Is this for real? And I maybe think, you know, last year he, he thought a little bit of that, you know, the success he was having, the defensive player that he is. Offensively, did he really think he was going to come to the big leagues and, and perform the way he did last year? And I think going in the offseason, hanging out with Bo Bichette and all the buddies and telling him that he is really that good, I think he's come to spring training thinking he's good. Yeah, it should be said about Santiago Espinal as well that, uh, you know, look, we talk a lot about Vladdy and Bo being attached at the hip, but Santiago Espinal spends more time around Bo than Vladdy does. I mean, he stayed with the family during the pandemic for a little bit. He's worked out with Bo and Dante Bichette. God, Kevin, three, four years, I guess. He's 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 almost like a member of the Bichette family. What what would be a good year for him? Right, let's Let's assume that he and Kevin share time at second base. They understand that Cavan's a lefty hitter and the Jays want the lefty bat in the lineup. He may get more time. They'll, I'm sure they've figured out how to get at bats for both these guys. But if I could say to you, Kevin Barker, what does Santiago Espinal have to do in 2022 to sit back at the end of the year and go, hey, that's me? Play, what would play, you say? Play great defense and have an on-base percentage of 325 or higher. Simplify it. Don't 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 go outside the box and say you know you want him to hit 15 homers. You want him to hit 300. No, don't do that. He's going to hit the bottom of the order. He's on the team to play defense at second base. Great defense up the middle. All the shifts and he's going to be doing all the moving around when he does play. Uh, you know, if you want to throw in there, be really, really good against left-handed pitching. You can do that. But for me, I'm simplifying it. Be great on the defensive side of the baseball and have an on-base percentage of 325 or higher. If he does that for me, that's that's a really good year. Now let's talk a little bit about last night's game as we wait for Kevin Biggio. Uh, the 11-3 spring training baseball. Uh, the, one of the talking points for me, Kevin, in addition to, of course, Espinal's day at the plate, has got to be Jimmy Garcia. And I'm going to throw this out here right now because we've been calling him Jimmy Garcia. Uh, we, we're told that it's Jimmy Garcia. The Y is the J in 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 Spanish. You know, I told you Pedro Martinez used to call me Yef all the time, um, and I think he was doing it because of that. Unless there was some other reason that I didn't know, and knowing Pedro, there might have been. But uh, Jimmy Garcia, we saw him yesterday. 
Strikes out uh, Kyle Higashioka on three pitches. Strikes out Aaron Judge in three pitches, a foul tip. Gives up a, a, a hit to Josh Donaldson, who's thrown out at second base. You know, the numbers that I saw at least, 95-96 with the fastball. What did you make of him in his first start? Or, I'm sorry, his first appearance. And can he get... As a reliever, can he get caught up in the limited amount of time he has because he was late arriving due to visa issues? Yeah, I think he's already caught up. You know, all, all, everything that we had heard was saying that he was he was thrown off the mound. He was thrown to catchers. He was thrown to pitters standing in the box. Uh, all the things that you need to do. He's thrown strikes yesterday. That's the one thing that stood out to me, and the velocity was there. Joe Siddle joins us later on. We'll talk about uh, Jimmy Garcia and some other topics. But at this point in time, we're very pleased to be joined by Kevin Biggio, who is starting in right field today against the Detroit Tigers. I'm going to call him second baseman Kevin Biggio just to make it easy on myself. Kevin, thanks so much for joining Kevin Barker and myself. Uh, we do appreciate your time. I know you've got defensive drills in about 20 minutes. I certainly don't want to take you away from that. But uh, I'll just ask you, should, should we refer to you as Kevin Biggio's second baseman this year? Um, that is a very good question. Um, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there, there's always a, a plan in the beginning of every season. And you know how the game of baseball works. Things uh, tend to change, you know, given injuries and whatnot. So uh, I guess for now, we'll, uh, we can stick with that. Well, I, you just you just sort of set this up a little bit with the with the injury thing. I can remember when I was playing. Uh, you know, I would do side toss a lot, and it would hurt my back hip, and I would have to adjust things in the off season so you know I could take the swings that I wanted to take. Uh, you know, last year you had lots of injuries, and you mentioned that you had to adjust some things going into spring training this year. Were, were they big adjustments? Did, you know, what did you learn from going through what you went through last year, injury wise, to, to you know to make you a, I guess more efficient baseball player going into this season yeah i mean last year was you know obviously a tough year for me as a uh individual and uh but you know the way i look at it it was a very important year in my career just from the aspect of things where it was the first year where you know i ever really had to deal with injuries that uh that kept me off the field so um it's a very big part of the game um as we all know and, and some players they never really have to deal with it and you know, most players, you know, they do. And, you know, for me last year, was a, it was a good learning year from that aspect of things. And, um, and then going into this offseason, for sure, was, you know, the number one, the number one thing was uh, to get back being healthy versus a normal offseason. It was try to get as fast and strong and um, as possible. So, um, yeah, so from that as- aspect of things, I, you know, had to change my, change my thought process and, um, I guess, um, you know, plan of my uh, offseason, just trying to get right uh, with my body first before I can really do anything else. Kevin, in some ways, did the lockout and the uncertainty about the start time for spring training play into your hands a little bit because it might have allowed you to focus more on the the, the physical aspect of things as opposed to the baseball aspect? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the lockout, you know, overall, I mean, just not very good for baseball. But for me, um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise where, you know, it did give me a couple of extra weeks to uh, – you know, get back into to swinging and everything. So, um, you know, looking at a regular spring training, I probably would have walked in here with uh, barely even hitting a little bit versus, you know, coming in after the lockout and, you know, having hit for a couple weeks or whatnot. So, so yeah, it did buy me um, some extra time, and, you know, I definitely took advantage of it. Kevin, going into spring training, you mentioned your hitting – 
what was the goal for that? You know, again, every every hitter goes through adjustment time periods where, you know, you you got to the big leagues, your eye got you where, you know, you were taking some close pitches, and then the elevated fastball. Go, going into spring training, was, was there an emphasis on, you know, maybe I try and lay off that pitch, maybe I flatten my swing out a little bit? Was there Was there one little thing that you honed in on? And if there was, do you like where it's at right now? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, going into every season, I like to make a, um, an adjustment or, or two and, um, and it, and it's always, you know, key on, um, you know, trying to, um, eliminate my weaknesses. I mean, everyone, everybody as a hitter has their strengths and for me to become a complete hitter, you know, I, I like to work on my weaknesses and, and I guess for, for me, um, you know, the, the big one for me is definitely that high heater and, um, you know, I think last year I worked on the high heater a lot, and I was always, you know, so worried about, you know, getting to that pitch. Um, that was where my majority of my work was, and I think just as a whole, um, I just needed to work more on being on time. And, you know, what I was able to do this offseason is, is I'm trying to, uh, you know, inco- incorporate a little toe tap just to try to get me going a little bit earlier. And um, you know, this spring, it's, it's been going pretty well. I mean, pretty, pretty much every pitcher throws me high heaters, uh, even this spring. So, um, you know, right now, you know, with the fast spring training and whatnot, um, you know, getting into games uh, sooner than, than usual, um, things are starting to pick up a little bit. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the next week or so to, uh, you know, dialing it in a little bit more. What tells you, Kevin, that your swing is getting where you want it to be in spring training? Is it results? Is it feel? Is it is it the reaction of, of the other pitcher? Or, I'm sorry, reaction of the pitcher? Uh, for me, it's, um, you know, it's seeing the ball, how well I'm seeing seeing the ball, especially like right out of the hand. So um, that's the number one thing for me as a hitter. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I, you know, I have a good eye and I like to, you know, work the count and get on base that way. Um, but for me as a hitter, you know, I like I need to, to drive the ball to be able to get on base. And so, um, you know, at a point in spring training when things start to, you know, fall into place is, is when I'm able to slow it down and, and be able to pick the ball up out of the hand and, and you know, uh, just, you know, be able to react um, to balls that I know that, that I can drive. We had a chance to talk to John Schneider earlier this week, and we asked him about the impact that Matt Chapman's acquisition has had on what the Blue Jays can do defensively in terms of tactics and strategy. Have you been able to notice a difference in how the team is going to approach things in, in spring training from from your point of view as a second baseman? Have you been able to, to notice what we may see during the regular season and, and whether or not it's going to be different from last year? Because we know Chapman covers a tremendous amount of ground. We know it's going to have an impact on Bo. But I would almost think in some ways it's also got to have a little bit of an impact at second, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I haven't seen it um, a whole lot, but I have noticed that you know maybe some of our um, alignments in, in our shifts is it kind of plays off of um, Chapman at times, um, just from his ability to, like you said, cover so much ground at that position where he's able to play so deep because you know he's the best at that position. Um, you know, Bo's able to play a little bit more up the middle, and then I'm going to be playing a little bit to my left. So I just like guess like little things like that um, just shows the type of impact that he could have, um, you know, as a defender, which is, you know, super special to be able to say about someone. So, um, you know, overall, just, you know, very excited to have a guy like that on our team, not only from a defensive standpoint, but also, you know, adding, a, um, you know, another big bat into our powerful lineup. So, 
Um, and then in the clubhouse wise, he, you know, he, he works hard and, you know, he fits our mold to what, to what we, uh, we, we do here as a culture and everything. So, uh, overall it, it's a great fit and, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. Kevin, last one before we let you go. I saw you're playing right field today. Uh, how hard of an adjustment is it going from second to right field? And is it easier going, you know, when you change positions to stay on the same side of the field? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting question. Um, you know, throughout the years, you know, just bouncing around, going to the outfield or whatnot, I have found it a little bit easier to uh, go from the infield to right field versus left field just because I'm so used to that side of the field. Um, but overall, you know, I think at this point in my career, I play, I've played so much right field um, that it's I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with, you know, how I play and how, you know, the game is um, out there. So, um for me, overall, it's just all about getting reps and getting out there, just familiarizing myself um, um, as much as I can. Even if I'm playing second base that day, if I'm playing second base for you know a week straight, um, just making sure that I get out there and just uh, you know get some live reads and just get familiar with you know my surroundings out there. So because you never know what what can happen in the, in the course of a game or a series where you know it could call for that. So um, overall, my spring training from a positional standpoint is being prepared to. Um, you know, be able to do that on that, uh, on an everyday basis. So, um, you know, we got another week or so, a little bit less, but, uh, you know, it's an important next uh, five or six days or whatever it's going to be and uh, to get us ready for the season. Kevin, thanks so much for doing this. Keep it going, man. Stay safe, and we look forward to seeing you in Toronto in a week. Thanks as always. Good luck. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Kevin Biggio, the Toronto Blue Jays second baseman. Who's in right field today? Yeah. Look, Kevin, if, if if Kevin Biggio and Santiago Espinal play good defense and just be themselves at the plate, I, I, looking ahead, the, the freedom that would give Ross Atkins as the Jays get to the trade deadline operating under the assumption that they are that that they're very much in the race and I don't think anybody doesn't think they will be if if that position gets settled down that is a huge huge uh, or it has the potential to have a huge impact on what the Jays do at the trade deadline cuz you may be if that's the case Maybe you don't have to add that other position player. Maybe you don't have to add that that other bat to balance things out. Maybe you can focus on adding pitching. Like there's a lot, there's a lot wrapped up into these two dudes being able to handle second base. There really is. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it'd make it a, a little easier for him to go out and get some starting pitching and maybe an extra bullpen arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, Kevin's going to have to perform. He he mentioned the high elevated fastball. What issues that gave him? The the mechanics of, with the with the toe tap. He sounds like he's got it honed in, which is a good thing for Blue Jays and, and the Blue Jays fans. Yeah, I don't think we can I, – I know it, whenever you talk to players in spring training and they're working on this, they're working on that, and I, I know a lot of times it, 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 at times it can become kind of eyewashy almost. But when you look at Cavan's year, you look at what was put in his plate, and it was put in his plate it, – it just it, it had to happen. I mean, that, that's, that's the way the season turned out. That's the way the breaks were. Kevin Biggio was going to be at third base. I mean, that a lot of stuff happened that sort of forced the Blue Jays' hand with him. But when you couple that with health, and and 
the fact that this is a guy who was pretty durable suddenly starts getting hurt. You know, you really do wonder if it, at some point it's not just a matter of the guy needs some sort of sense, sense of stability, you know, almost, almost mentally. You need to know what is expected of you. And that might allow you to sort of tailor whatever you do between games or during games in order to keep your, you know, in order to keep your health. I just, sometimes I think when you ask guys to turn a whole bunch of different directions and run a whole bunch of different directions and throw balls from a whole bunch of different directions, yeah, they're great athletes, they're elite athletes, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes, yeah. Kevin, I think you just put, you put, there's so much different stress on different parts of the body, I, I guess is what I'm saying. Maybe Kevin Bishy is just not good enough to do that. Uh, that maybe hey, and there are a lot of there are a lot of guys that aren't. Yeah, I wasn't good enough to do something like that, and maybe he needs a, a certain role, certain side of the field, which is exactly what he was talking about there. Offensively, what are you looking for from him? You know, twenty nineteen, he hit two seventy six with thirteen homers off the fastball. Would you be okay with that? I, that and draw, get me some walks and turn the lineup over. I'm. I am completely satisfied and make the plays at second base. And with Chapman, I think it, with the impact Chapman is going to have in this team defensively, you heard Kevin say it's going to mean he, he's going to play a little more to his left. Just make those plays. I think if he makes those plays, repeats that season, average, I'm more interested in Kevin Biggio getting on base. Like I'd take, a, I'd take a crap ton of walks from him more than anything else so that I can turn that lineup over. Yeah, That's I think the league's anyway. out. I think the word's out that he's not going to – that's not going to happen anymore. He's going to have to perform. He's going to have to hit fastballs. He's going to have to have better at bats. Occasionally, he's going to have to hit the elevated fastball. He's going to have to do some things offensively. Defensively, he's okay. He's going to catch the balls right at him. He's not going to make great plays. It's you know that of his greatest arm, but he'll make the plays at, at the big league level that he's supposed to make. And and we'll see about the offensive side of the ball. I, I think if he's healthy, the fastball thing that he's going through with the elevated fastball you have to come to a realization she can't cover the entire strike zone mm-hmm. you know you, you got to give him a little something yep. you can give him the elevated fastball everything below the belt you hammer you do that you'll stay in the big league a long time i was going to ask you when you played did you uh at at any point at any point was there talk of you shifting position at all out of first base at any point with with the brewers or anything like that nope Okay. Oh. There's an answer. I mean, again, you show up at spring training with first base in your license plate. That uh, Jealous. I, that is, I, I, I'm going to have to buy Sean. I'm going to have to buy Sean Casey dinner for telling me that. I, I truly am. That, that is one of my favorite stories. Uh, I'm going to go off, go away from the Blue Jays for a bit. Again, the Jays will take on the Tigers today, 1 o'clock on Sportsnet. I'm looking at the Tigers lineup. Uh, Riley Green, Robbie Grossman, Javi Baez, Eric Haas, Harold Castro, Will Castro, Spencer Torkelson. We're going to talk about the Tigers with Joe Siddle. He was a bullpen catcher for the Tigers for a while. want to talk to Joe about that. Isaac Paredes, Jack Lopez, Matt Manning will get the start. We mentioned that the Blue Jays lineup is uh, it smells a little bit like opening day. Springer in center, Vladdy hitting second at third. Teo is in left field. Uh, Bichette is at short. Kirk's behind the plate. Goriel Jr. is DHing. Matt Chapman's at third. Kevin Biggio's in right. Espinal's at second. Alec Manoa's on the mound. 
Yesterday, the St. Louis Cardinals beat the Washington Nationals 29-8. Now, I got to ask you, what I, I have to I don't know who that if that's worse for the Nationals players or worse for the Cardinals players. I don't know because it's one of those days where everybody's getting hit. And if you're a Cardinals player, you may be thinking, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe I need another. Maybe I could use an extra at bat here because things are going so well. Have you ever been part of a game like that in spring training? And how do guys how do guys keep their sanity, Kevin, in, in games like that in spring training? No, I think that that 29 runs is a record. It's spring training, so no, nobody's ever been a part of anything like this. Uh, maybe minor league camp, I've been with something like that, but it's no. It, they're not going to get anything from it. They'll wash that away. It's, it's spring training games. They don't care if you know you're giving up a home run. If you're an established guy, it's about getting in some throws and and make sure you're setting guys up when you're supposed to. It's one of those days. You, you you forget about it. You go home. You drink a beer. Uh, you wake up the next day. You get after it again. What do you do during the game? Like especially if you're an extra. If you're if you're number eighty three, right? And you're at the Cardinals, and it's twenty nine eight, or even worse if you're number eighty three with the with with the Washington Nationals, because it's spring training. I don't imagine. I, I don't imagine there's you know there's a cage behind the the dugout or anything like that. I mean, how, how do you go about not just falling asleep? Well, I, I don't think you're going to fall asleep. It's a big league game. I mean, maybe you're getting a little bit of mill money. It's better better that than going on a road trip and doing it in AAA. At least you're in a big <laughs> league game and you get to talk to fans and you, know, you get to eat some big league spread. Maybe have a little Gatorade over there while you're watching. Yeah, yeah. You do a little talking to the coaches, say, hi, I'm number 83, my name, remember who I am. Maybe when you get in the game, you get a hit. Any games go on? Like any uh, any any quizzes in the dugout or anything like that or at all to keep, you know, like the, they do in the bullpen, any, any, anything like that? Can you, what the hell is there to talk about? It's 29-8. You eat a lot of seeds. Uh, you chew a lot of bubble gum. You, you right. talk. You talk about uh, how your swing was in a cage, boy. I can't wait to get in the game and you know try that toe tap. Maybe I'll get a good pitch to hit in the next five innings to do that. That's all you talk the, about. Uh, you know, now, of course, there's you know, teams run out of pitchers. Uh, you know, I, I I can remember covering spring training where Buck Buck Rogers when he managed the Expos, they always used to take a guy along from the minor league camp and if everybody was getting if the game was dragging and it looked like it might there might even be a hint of extra innings all of a sudden here comes number 87 into the game two pitches later the other you know the other team's got seven runs we're not going to extra innings and the veterans in the team used to take up a collection for the guy because they were getting home earlier so everybody pitch in like 20 bucks so the, the the kid that came in to give it up and get everybody home early maybe get out Give him a give him a chance to get out in the golf course before the sun went down. He makes some extra money. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I'm not giving my money to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you're a big leaguer now, you know you got you got to get your you want you want to get out to the course. You want to get out to the course. Yeah, you don't want to spend another you don't want to spend another hour. So you're giving that kid money to stink? Pretty much. Yeah, it's not it's grapefruit league. It's grapefruit. Not, league. not for Just this. Groove kids. a couple. Just groove a couple. 
See, so I always who, thought that who, when, what kid have you ever talked to that's ever done that? Oh, I think guys would do that. It doesn't have to be a kid. It can be like a guy who's like a 38-year-old dude. You know, the manager trying wants to make you a to team? do it. You do it. No, not at that point. You're not trying to make the team. You're an extra. You, you know you're not going to make the big league team. Manager's going to give you – you're going to get a little extra money here to throw the game. See, I, that whole all-star game in Milwaukee where it was called because – called as high and everybody got all worked up about it. I think the players should have got together and just said, groove one. Let's just get it over with. And it would have been great. It would have been a part of baseball lore. Did you groove it? Did you throw it? You know, what were you trying to do? Back in the day, that would have been done. Like, if that all-star game was in the the 70s or whatever, that would have been done. Guys would have said, come on. This is stupid. Nobody wants to be the guy that grooves. Throw a fatty down a plate. Really? So if you were the pitcher, you would do it? I think I would, yeah. You'd be known as the guy that gave up the walk-off homer. In an all-star game. And then the first question, it'd be you'd be part of baseball history. Did you groove the pitch? Well, I don't know. You guys saw it. What do you think? I, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good pitch. Yeah, guy's a good hitter. He's an all-star hitter. What the hell? He's, he's in the game because he hits those things. I think they should have done it. Hmm. It would have been great. It, it would have become a part of baseball lore. And no, I guarantee you nobody at the ballpark would have been pissed off. They were a lot happier than leaving a tie game. A lot happier than leaving a tie game. Hey, that's just me. That's that just is me. just you. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. I have to admit, I turned, I, I, I watched, I, I caught a bit of that game online, and it was as ugly as it sounds. Who cares if it, it was, was a tie? Ugly. Who cares? It's an all-star game. Who cares? Oh, man. It's about seeing the best players on the planet on the same field ah. at the same time. I think there would have been a romance. Really? The Cardinals, by the way, scored 15 <laughs> Scored 15 runs in an inning. No, I've seen that. I've been a part of that a lot in the minor leagues. And winter ball. Guys are like guys are like punching each other to get out of the way to get to the bat rack. Yeah. So uh, there's always that guy that doesn't get a hit though. Well, there you are. That's that's the worst thing to be, right? The worst thing to be is the guy who struck out. Or the guy who ended it. Or God forbid you make two outs in one inning in the middle of the fifteen run inning. That that would have to be the worst. That I've been there be before, where where the game goes fifteen innings and I'm over eight. It's awful. Oof. More than once. Oof. Joe Siddle is our Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. We want to talk a little bit about the Detroit Tigers. They will be the Jays' opponents today. We want to talk about Miguel Cabrera? It's you know, look. We focused on the the Blue Jays a great deal, and and understandably, and we will will continue to do that. Miguel Cabrera is not with the Tigers. I uh, did not have to make the road trip to Dunedin. The kind of an interesting story with Miguel Cabrera. The Tigers have really got it going on. I, I think the Tigers, I don't know what they're going to do this year, but I think two years down the road, they're going to be a freaking handful. And if I'm the Chicago White Sox, I may want to, I may want to, I may want to go through that, that, that open window right now. Cause I think the Detroit Tigers in a couple of years are, are going to be a real, real factor in things. Uh, what does it mean for Miguel Cabrera, first ballot Hall of Famer? We'll talk to Joe Siddle about that. And we'll take a look at Jimmy Garcia's outing yesterday and talk a little bit about where he figures in the bullpen picture because I think, Kevin, we're on the same page here. The one thing we need to see right now, the only thing we really need to see right now is how the bullpen shakes out. Maybe not the roles, but I think who goes north with the team 
is very much a question right now. Joe Siddle's next. It's Blair and Barker. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts or listen to us live on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Friday. Uh, I'll be doing Blue Jays talk after Sunday's game and then effective Monday we will be on the air from 10 to noon Eastern. And um, I don't know. There may be some other announcements we can make at some point down the road. But that's where we are for now. Blue Jays baseball this afternoon on Sportsnet. The Detroit Tigers are in Dunedin to take on the Blue Jays. We've uh, run through the lineups, but I will do it again just because I love running through lineups because it makes me it, it makes me think that it's a regular season game. <laughs> Springer, Guerrero Jr. What are you laughing at? You. I'm a man of simple pleasures. Or a simple man of pleasures, however you want to describe it. Springer, Guerrero Jr., Hernandez, Bichette, Kirk, Guriel. Chapman, Biggio in right field, Espinal is second, Alec Manoa on the mound, Teo is in left field. I mentioned, I think Guriel is DHing for the Detroit Tigers. And uh, I, I, I'm really excited about the Tigers team. First, first of all, I mean, I just, I, I'm excited about the Tigers just because I still, I remember those days where the, the, the Tigers and Jays were, were a thing. And I, I love those days to be back because I, I just, to me, it's still the Jays' natural rival. The Tigers of Riley Green, Robbie Grossman, Javier Baez, Eric Haas, Harold Castro, Will Castro, Spencer Torkelson, Isaac Paredes, Jack Lopez in center field, Matt Manning is the starting pitcher, no Miguel Cabrera. Joe Siddle will join us in a few minutes and we'll talk to the... Oh, we do have Joe. Well, let's... Joe Siddle, our Blue Jays analyst, joining Blair and Barker, the podcast. Uh, we'll talk about the Jays' bullpen in a minute, uh, Joe, especially Jimmy Garcia. But I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the Tigers, because I know you worked for the Tigers. I know that you still have contact with people there. This, to me, might be one of the more intriguing stories in the American League. I, I really believe that – I don't know – I don't know about this year, but I think next year the Detroit Tigers are really going to be a factor uh, in, in, in the postseason race. I think they might be a factor in the Central Division title race. But I look at this team, you know, look at Javier Baez addition, Robbie Grossman, you know, uh, Jamer Candelario, uh, Spencer Torkelson. And, and there was an interesting article by Jason Beck. Uh, of MLB.com, it covers the Tigers, and I'm I'm kind of referring to it a little bit today in an article I'm doing on Sportsnet.ca. But they've got Miguel Cabrera for two more years. Miguel Cabrera is coming off a year career worst slugging, career worst OPS. AJ Hinch, the Tigers manager, has already spoken to Miguel Cabrera about look. It's not just a matter of we may have to make room for Spencer Torkelson at first base sometime. Miggy's already said that he will DH. He's made that move. 
But he said, realistically, I want to get Grossman more bats. I want to get Candelario more bats. I've got Javier Baez now. Torkelson and Green are going to move up in the order. He essentially said to Miggy that, look, we may have to hit you fifth or sixth this year. How do you how do you think AJ plays this? Because this is a this is a first ballot Hall of Famer we're talking about. Good morning, guys. Yeah, I, a lot of good things going on in Detroit. You know, we covered that game on Sportsnet last week and talked a lot with AJ Hinch and Al Avila, the general manager, was down on the field as well and really got a good feel for where they are at in terms of Miggy. He's closing in on three thousand hits, right and Anytime you've got a guy that can do that, and I'm sure for the Tigers' sake, they'd love him to do it at home because we saw what the crowds were doing at Comerica Park last year as he closed in on 500 home runs. And wouldn't you know what he did in Toronto? But it's an exciting time when you have a Hall of Famer like that closing in on another milestone. I think that's number one goal for Miggy. We know that those big, long contracts don't usually end well, and Detroit and their fans are seeing that right now. But... I don't think anyone that's a Tiger fan should be complaining of what Mr. Illich did back in the day and what his son is doing now. They're on the upswing, and I think, too, you mentioned a lot of names, Jeff, and you know which one you forgot? Tucker Barnhart, the first player (laughs) in the offseason that they went out and got. And, you know, I'm living here close to Detroit, and when I heard that news, I said, oh, very interesting. That is a move because you're acquiring a veteran-type catcher that is known for his defense. And guess what they have? Nice little young pitching staff, these young up-and-comers coming. They acquired, they signed Eduardo Rodriguez to lead that rotation now. But I thought that was a sneaky great move. I haven't seen a lot of Barnhart. He did catch the game last week, recovered. But I've heard nothing but great things. And when I spoke to A.J. Hinch about him, I think that move had a lot to do with the manager. And he wants a guy back there controlling his pitching staff, calling the game, and he could not understate how important that is and how important it's going to be moving forward for most of his young starters especially. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing you say that because as you're talking, I'm thinking that it is hard to manage a superstar, a Hall of Famer in his declining days. You know, there are teams that have managers that have had certain ways of doing it. Sometimes it's worked relatively smoothly. Like with Chipper Jones, the, the 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 Braves were kind of able to manage him in the final couple of years of his contract. You know, Barry Bonds was another guy. I mean, it, it happens a lot. It's kind of the downside of having uh, a superstar in your team playing out his career. But you made an interesting point there with Tucker Barnhart. If I'm Miggy, it's probably easier to, I'm going to say, swallow my pride. Or but that's not right because you're still playing Major League Baseball, for God's sake, and making $30 million. So it's not like you're being put out the pasture. But it's probably easier to go along, in air quotes, with what the manager wants to do in the lineup if the team is a good team. right? And I look at Spencer Torkelson, I go, this kid is really good. I look at Riley Green, this guy's really good. I look at Javier Baez, you're right, they added Tucker Barnhart. It's a little easier to do if you get the sense the team isn't playing out the string, right? Yeah, and I think, too, if if we are seeing and the entire fan base and the club is seeing the, the, the decline of Miguel Cabrera, guess who sees it first and foremost and who feels it every day? He knows exactly where he's at in his career. He knows how he feels and how the performance has declined. And 
you know, Father Time's undefeated, and Miggy's just another example of it. But man, what a probably I got to believe the best right-handed hitter of our generation that I was able to spend a lot of time with, flipping balls in the batting cage, and mm. I, I, I did that in the off season for 12 years, and it was just so fun to just be a fly in the room, listening to his conversations, and just trying to absorb as much as I could. But he is—he's uh, a freak of nature. What he has done, and um, it, all good things come to an end and that's the case for Miggy but if for his case I'm sure he's feeling exactly what you just said if this team the upswing that it's on right here if he can be a part of that and kind of lay back in the weeds and just get his spot playing time here and there I think he'd be fine with it Joe uh, Alec Manoa is throwing today when you pick up the paper which nobody does anymore when you pick up your phone and you look at stats it's normally my line well when you look at stats tomorrow uh, about Alec Manoa's start, what, what are you going to be looking for? Is it number of pitches? Is it strike-to-ball ratio? Uh, what's that one thing that you're going to be honing in on that says, okay, you know, he's probably got one more start, and then he's ready to go? Well, Jeff, let's age ourselves. And you know what? My newspaper was delivered at 6.30 a.m. this morning. Nice. <laughs> so I haven't left. You're the oh, guy yeah, keeping the industry going. Attaboy. <laughs> You're the guy, Joe Siddle, newspaper <laughs> subscriber. Well done. <laughs> Everything else is on my phone, but I, yeah, you just have to open that front door and grab that newspaper in the morning. You know, I think with Alec Manoa, it's just same old, same old. I love what we've been seeing from him. He's that big dude out on the mound. He's cross-firing it. It's hard to pick up. Lots of movement, that frisbee slider, breaking ball that he throws. You know, I'd love to see him incorporate that third pitch, that changeup a little bit more. I know he talked about the Gosman splitter, whether we're going to see much of that, I don't know. But to me, it's just a lot of the same for Manoa. He gets good movement. He gets good sync. He gets good run. And when I say sync, meaning down, and that run is in on the hands of right-handers and makes it so difficult on them because it's probably coming out of the back of their ear with where he releases the ball. I just look for more consistency from him. There were times as good as Alec was last year. You saw him lose the feel at times, and the, the breaking ball became very inconsistent at times. But, man, when it's good, it's good because he's sinking it in on the hands of righty, the fastball, and then he's that frisbee sliders just taken off away. So he's got those two directions working so well. And I think the sink on a pitch, meaning the downward rotation on a pitch, is so critical now too because now you've got a stud third baseman in Chapman. So I'm sure he'll continue to incorporate that. He pitches the way he does. He'll, you know, even with lefties, we've seen him use the upper part of the zone more. You know, he'll come in once in a while. And I, I find so many similarities with him and Barrios. And I think he'll take a page out of Barrios's book too, where he runs that two seamer in on the front hip of that left-handed batter and may try to do that a little bit more, but yeah, more of the same. I don't think you're looking for any startling changes from him. Joe, are you worried about up and down velocity from these pitchers? Up and down throughout the course of the season? Well, no, the, yeah, like, like Kikuchi, uh, when he threw against the Phillies, I think you were you were calling the game. He was throwing ninety two, yeah. ninety three. Like yeah. like I, the the velocity this time, you know, you would think adrenaline would take over a little bit. You would think that these guys would start falling into mechanics, the release point, the ball be coming out of their hand the way it's supposed to, coming off the fingers the way it's supposed to. It's just it just seems like for whatever reason in this spring training, the velocities are are so you know sporadic. They're all over the place. Yeah interesting you say that and uh, i'd like to say when you know for example when we were doing that game it's still early but i kept saying all spring to people it, it's getting late early <laughs> because <laughs> it's a short spring training but yeah there's not a lot of time but you know we see you know, we pitched his first start when we televised that game last week like these guys are really still just getting into the swing of things literally so 
I would like to see where these guys are this final week here where, you know, they're probably getting their last starts in and see what that's like because it's just like hitters. Like, I'm not really worried about any hitters. Honestly, guys, I just don't put a whole lot of stock into these games. I'm not going to lie to you. It's great and fun to talk about the players and to talk about the team and the expectations. But in terms of spring training performance, I mean, guys are just doing things. They're trying to get their arm speed up. They're trying to get, like you said, the velocity more consistent. So I don't think we're going to really be able to evaluate that until it's that opening week there. And then if Kikuchi's throwing 92, we've got issues, right? Because clearly he's not amped up and ready. But I got to believe most of them are going to be where they need to be because that's one thing we heard from the Blue Jays all along when the lockout ended. They had great communication before the lockout. Guys were on the programs. And then Mm -hmm. they've been very diligent. I mean, I would go to the player development complex over the last couple of weeks on a day that Blue Jays, the Blue Jays were playing away, for example. And, you know, it's a skeletal crew back there, the guys that aren't traveling and pitchers doing some work. And sure enough, there might be one, there might be two, but guys are getting their, their bullpen session in. It might have been a live BP. In fact, that was when Jimmy Garcia got his in. I was there that day. So been, they've been very diligent about everybody getting their work and trying to amp them up. I've heard about Barrios and, and, and um Gosman and Ryu now yesterday the pitch in the inner squad there to, to get their counts up so I would say no panic at all right now and I don't even put a whole lot of stock into it but that will certainly become a conversation starting April 8th you mentioned Jimmy Garcia we saw him yesterday uh, quick inning a couple of strikeouts assisted by a defensive play uh, as well uh, look, he's he's obviously he's obviously he's obviously on the team he's, he's a late arrival because of visa issues but I'm wondering how you see the other bullpen battle shaking out, Joe, because it's pretty clear that they're going to take 10 relievers. You know, we, we, we think, and Buck has said, that some of the starters may be left behind when the team breaks camp and join the team in, in, in New York for that, that next series. Uh, how do you see the bullpen battle shaking out? And is, is there a guy we're not looking at enough or maybe a guy we're looking at too much? I think we lost Joe as Tom Young endeavors to get him back. Such a great question. He dropped the phone. Dropped the phone. Well, I mentioned Jimmy Garcia yesterday. Look, he, he does have swing and miss stuff. I, I think he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna log a lot of high leverage innings for this team even early. Um we've talked about this. I, I th- this bullpen Still, for me, doesn't have a whole bunch of what you call no-brainers. I, I think yep. they're fine. They're fine with Simber and Richards. Those guys are going to do what they're going to do, and they're going to keep a lid on things. And um, you know, we saw a lot. I made the point last year. At different points last year, when this team was going well, those two guys were the most reliable. They were the most reliable part of the bullpen in terms of damage limitation, especially. That that to me is why Simber's so valuable because just bad stuff. He he prevents bad stuff from happening when he's in the game. But other than that, Kevin, I, I think there are—I mean, there are a lot of positions. There are a lot of positions up uh, up there. I know there's Mazes made the team. There, there are a lot of guys that made the team. But there are other some names I keep hearing. Andrew Vasquez. I don't know anything about Andrew Vasquez. I don't know where Ryan Barucki is. You know, Nate Pearson. I mean, whatever. I mean, Nate Pearson. There's still, I think, a question mark attached to him. Yeah, all, all those names you're talking about for me are sixth and seventh inning guys. They're not eighth and ninth inning guys. This is the, this is what I told you about the what ifs and and if Jordan Romano goes down, then what? Like who's filling in these spots? That'll be the big question. 
Okay, we have Joe Stittle back. Joe, thanks, uh, thanks for your patience. I was just asking about the bullpen. Is there is there a name that we should keep an eye on in the bullpen? You know, I keep hearing Andrew Vasquez. Uh, we've talked about we don't know what's going to happen with Nate Pearson. Jimmy Garcia appears to be a guy who's going to pitch at, at, at the back end. He appears to have swing and miss stuff. What concerns you right now maybe. about the bullpen? Maybe maybe a Sean Anderson, who I watched pitch in uh, the complex last week. One day was just before his start against Atlanta. The reason I mentioned his name is because he's another guy that might be of the Stripling and Pearson role where can give you multiple innings out of the pen and certainly start if needed. He has started. Um, I only say that because he's a name that nobody really talks about. I know I haven't talked about him a whole lot. Because I think whether, you know, I've called it five starters, 10 relievers, or six starters, nine relievers, however you want to word it, 15 pitchers. Because I think we could all agree we're, we're going to see somebody like a Stripling or a Pearson or somebody make a start throughout mm-hmm. the first month of the season here just because they don't have too many days off. And you know that Ryu will probably need an extra day here or there because we just know that he seems better when he's a little more rested. So, yeah, and then, you you know, I think the the back end for me is, Garcia, Mason, Romano, in whatever order, right? I, I yep. think we can agree on that one. I still like what I'm seeing from Tim Mason. Now, the one thing we don't talk about, and I haven't talked about actually even all spring, is you don't you don't talk aggression of anybody's season last year. Like Tim Mesa was unreal coming off Tommy John surgery. You hope that he just builds off that. But what if he comes back a little bit? Maybe doesn't have that slider. You you just those are the concerns. And you know, Kevin, you talk about injuries. Yeah, you. I worry about injuries like every manager does, but you also worry about a little regression. What about Simber and Richards Richards were two key acquisitions to keep this bullpen afloat, and they were really good. Well, what if they're not as good this year, and all of a sudden you do run into trouble in the fifth and sixth innings when you go to them? So those are always always concerns because bullpen relievers are like that, right? You just don't necessarily know. The good thing is that you've got guys like Simber and Richards and now Garcia, guys that have done it, and you, you seems like you can rely on them. David Phelps would be a very interesting one. You know, can he rebound? Can he recover okay from his outings? Uh, he, you know, I spoke to him last week too. Feels good. Health is good. But the biggest question will be, can he rebound after each appearance? Joe, really good of you to do this today. Thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, Joe. All right, boys. See you then. Joe Stittle, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. Blue Jays, Tigers, 1 o'clock on the Sportsnet TV network today. Of course, Ben Wagner with the call online. That is it for us today. We're off tomorrow. Monday, we're back from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet. I'll be doing Blue Jays talk. I think Barker will be as well. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk on Sunday following the game. So for Kevin Barker, Jeff Blair, Tom Young, and everybody else, thanks for joining us. It's Blair and Barker.